so I won't you won't believe this but I actually like it didn't last I'm kind of grateful for it I saw a little snow this week did you in Canada you saw snow Vancouver Island whatever it's all Canada it's like no, it's like it's more like Seattle. You know, it's interesting because like you know, something crazy happened to me today. Similar, uh, I breathed uh, air today. Oh, also the sun came up this like, morning. Like you mean you mean like fresh air? Sure. Yeah. I uh, you know the sun came up this morning. Uh, when evening came, the sun went down. So interesting things are happening in both of our lives. There's snow in Canada. <laughs> yeah. Every, uh, so actually, I was having a little chat with a, a listener actually of the podcast, Will Sipling, yesterday. He goes, "Oh, it must be so cold up there." And I'm like, "At this time of year, I'm like, no, no, it's like Seattle up here." Actually, I said it actually is a little cold. We actually got a tiny bit of snow last night, but then it melted away. Ridiculous! He's I still like, don't believe like, this. Actually, Texas has had more snow than Vancouver Island this year. Uh, I, uh, it sounds like fake news. I don't know, man. You keep telling me this. You're real consistent with this, but. Um... I don't know if I buy it. I don't know if I buy it. Why not? What's, because what's... you live in Canada. Like, there's literally no snow outside right now. I can't actually. I don't want to move the camera. So. Yep. So. I can't. You know, uh, I'm not saying you're a liar. Um, there's other uh, options. You kind of are. Uh, yeah, I mean, you no, are. no, 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 no. You could be delusional. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe snow. Maybe that's a different language in Canada. Um, maybe you think it's something like it's neige? not. Was like that neige? Like neige? neige? The French word for for snow? That's the French word. That's a silly word. Neige. Even, do you want to build a neige, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, do you guys have snow in Pittsburgh right now? Uh, right now, no. We had it for a while. It's just cold and rainy. Something usual for Pittsburgh. Uh, okay, so yeah, you actually got a probably a similar climate to me right now. Then no, we've been we've gotten a lot of snow last. Uh... Oh, so you're saying that we didn't get snow? So you believe me now? Okay, you got me with your with yes! your tricky Canadian yes! wordplay. Yes, um, I actually didn't even intend that. You just you just handed that to me on a silver platter. I'm very disappointed in myself. You're 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 off your game. I am. It is it has been a it's been a day in the life of Father Anthony Sharapa. Uh, okay. So I'm a little off today. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. So it was just uh, I just had to drop that little tidbit that it snowed, but it didn't really snow. To the chagrin of everyone else in Canada who hates everyone from Southern BC, oh. because we never get snow, and we brag about that the tulips are blooming in January, and everyone hates us for it. Amazing. Amazing. Fun. What else is amazing? What? This podcast. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. So, uh, Father Harrison, it's it's. I don't know what what you think about this, but it's always nice when people you know compliment your homilies. Now, a mm -hmm. lot of times they do this simply as you know, what do you talk to a priest about? You say, "Oh, Father, I liked your homily." Just like you would say, "Oh, it's snowing in Canada." It doesn't actually mean anything. Uh, it's just a thing that you say, you know, people just being polite, right? Fair enough. And then sometimes they actually want to, you know, thank you for your homily. Like the Holy Spirit struck them in a certain way. And, uh, that's very nice. Either way, it's nice. It's a nice experience. Mm -hmm. But the one thing we don't get so much is critiques of our homilies. Okay. Now there, you may get like the angry email that, you know, you preach that, uh, all cats are going to hell. Uh, and this is a true thing. But they don't like this. They have unconverted hearts, whoa, so they spend whoa, 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 whoa. a huge amount of time writing this angry email. That happens. Hold on, hold yeah. on, hold on. Before mm -hmm. before you continue, yeah, cats aren't going to hell. Yeah, their souls are annihilated. Okay, with the death of their body. Well, agree to disagree. Like, that's even worse. That's even worse. I mean, in some ways, it is indeed. Um, but they uh, don't have a rational soul. Only rational souls go to heaven or hell. I like the idea of cats burning for all eternity in hell. So that's what I preach about okay. every single Sunday. That is always okay. my example. Don't go to okay. hell like your cats. You want to go to heaven. Um, <laughs> okay, so many angry emails. Yeah, so you, so you get email critiquing like a theological fact, like what yeah. I just said. And you're like, okay, okay, this person's just crazy. You know, whatever, fine. The very rare thing that happens is someone gives you a critique that's actually 
helpful, or if not helpful, okay. not crazy. Um, and I finally mm-hmm. got one of those. Okay. And it came from my and? dad. Oh. Yes. Wow. I visited my parents this past weekend. You know, say hello, what's going on, to give my dad his Christmas present. Um, <laughs> because I bought the wrong thing off of Amazon. It took me a long time to get the right thing. Um, Oops. And he, he had a critique for me. Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear it. He cannot stand when I say the phrase, screw up, in homilies. Okay. And apparently, I use this phrase a lot. Like, I'll say, when you sin or when you screw up and blah, 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 blah. It's like, we all screw up sometimes and blah, 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 blah. And he says he cringes every time I say that. And I need to stop saying that. I also stop coming to my masses. What's the problem with the phrase? Uh, you know what? We didn't go into it. My dad was like, just stop doing it. I just don't like it. Now you're going to be like self-conscious every time you try to say it. Definitely. And so the thing is like, do I, when my dad is at one of my masses, do I use it even more than I used to? Do I use it consciously now? No, I think what you actually should do. No, this is how you remove power from your dad in this. <laughs> you actually, at the mass he's at, you actually use the story as an into your homily. Whatever your topic's going to be, you're, you're crafty enough. You can find a way I could. to turn this in. And then everyone's going to look at him laughing. And then now... Whenever you use it, you know, people have a laugh about it. Oh, yes, that's the phrase Father Anthony's dad doesn't like. The thing is, they're going to want you to say it now mm-hmm. because of that. So you actually remove power from your dad, and now he can't uh, he can't hold it over you anymore because you're giving the people what they want. Yeah, you, yeah, that's an idea. And then my father can murder me. Mm-hmm. Murder. He will poison the pasta sauce. <laughs> really? Um, really, the thing is, like, I enjoy visiting my parents, and, uh-huh. you know, I've known my parents all my life, and I appreciate uh-huh. their eccentricities and this sort of thing. Do I want that kind of thing hanging over my head for the rest of, of my life with my parents? I don't know. I don't know if it's worth it. I... What, what, what did your mom think? My mom just laughed the entire time my dad was yelling at me in the kitchen. Um, mm-hmm. she, I don't think she cares or even noticed. It's just this weird thing that my don't use the phrase screw up. I hate it when you do it. So I think what I'm going to do instead, instead is I'm just going to make a long pause whenever it sounds like I'm about to say screw up. That way I'm not saying it, but I'm keeping them on edge the entire time. Hmm. You have to keep us updated. I will. I will. It's one of those things that's like, you know what? I never thought about it because I, I tend to use pretty common language in my mm-hmm. homilies. Uh, I just speak how I normally speak, more or less. And mm-hmm. um, it's something, it's a phrase I never realized that I used. But I feel like it's that's how we feel like when we sin, right? We feel yeah. like we does he feel up. like Does he feel like it's an irreverent phrase? I don't think it's that. You know, my dad's, I wouldn't call him irreverent. But that's right. not necessarily a thing that would, it's shocking to me that this is, huh. a, I think it's just a thing. He just doesn't care for that phrase in a homily. And you didn't, why didn't you ask? You, you got to do investigation. Why? What's because the problem? I love my father, but he's a crazy person. So like oh, when okay. he. <laughs> he he just, doesn't listen, does he? <laughs> um, to the podcast? No, he does not listen to the podcast. Uh, my mom will tell him anything interesting that happens on the podcast. Mom, don't tell him about that. Actually, no. Hi, mom. Actually, Hi, mom. I, I take that back. My dad was like, hey, you can, t- you can use, the-. he literally said today, you can use that for your podcast. Tell the people that. I don't like it when you say screw up. So... <laughs> <laughs> and my dad's the kind of person he loves any kind of attention. So, gee, I wonder where you where where you know the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? I guess not. Like so, <laughs> if I tell a story about my dad, or if he gets uh, some sort of shout out or whatever, uh, like when I was a seminarian, he would love it, love it. My mom hated yeah. it. She hated the attention, and it was so funny to see my dad like beaming and my mom like cowering anytime a priest said, "Look at our young seminarian, Father Anthony, and these are his wonderful parents," and everyone would clap for them. It was always yeah. very funny to me to watch their dynamic so um uh, <laughs> that's usually the dynamic, dynamic dynamic of a couple there's always the one who would prefer to hide in a corner mm-hmm. and the other one who knows how to work a crowd exactly and my dad is definitely that one so yeah it, it made me think like my you know uh my dad's a crazy person but there's a lot of crazy people out there so what mm-hmm. other like phrases or things that i do that is people do not like 
Like, there's not necessarily any kind of rational reason for it. And it just makes you think. Hmm. Yeah. I also I also want to cause us to think. Okay. Into Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. The Summa Theologica of St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter, even though Father Harrison still hasn't been on Twitter much because he needs to get back at it. And yeah, I've not I gotta get better at this. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go to good old producer Nick, who's gonna be so happy that he heard me say his name in reference to this. We're gonna quote a tweet from him at Papa Sharapa. I enjoy trolling on LinkedIn. Sometimes you need to diversify your executive branch manager man- member associates with the proper diversity of intentional thought-provoking experiences in order to effectively coordinate and communicate vastly different messages to marginalized and internalized groups of effective leaders who carry the values of your constituents. Duh. And uh, he and he has another one. The four the four dysfunctions of a team in the office. Spell toots. Right now, say it again. Gotta say it clearly. <laughs> he, he is posting these things to LinkedIn, his LinkedIn account, and what are the four dysfunctions? Which people will look at. Which people will look at one day if they want to hire him. Sometimes. Yes. yes. So, what are the four dysfunctions in an office? Smelly toots. Mm-hmm. Not enough yummy snacks in the break room. Team members named Gladys. <laughs> <laughs> and coffee machines labeled a decaf, and then just a. Just a ton of of uh, hashtags that I'm not even going to bother with. Uh, so I, I, I uh, he must feel very secure that his future is working in the church because no one in the church looks at LinkedIn profiles. Yeah. Okay. So question. I I, I still don't know what LinkedIn is. It's like a social media platform for people in to network with people in your field and. That, you know, sometimes people are looking for people with certain skill sets and maybe they'll find you on there or you'll find jobs on there sometimes. Or you apply for a job and like, yeah, here's my LinkedIn profile. Gives you everything you need to know if you have any other questions away from my resume. So it's kind of like a social media. It's like a social network of resumes. Fascinating. Imagine imagine a networking uh, gathering, mm-hmm. but digitally. So everyone's in power suits. Yeah. You know, um, um, everyone's. Everyone's name's like Fran the Man, you know. It's like and 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 Killer Bill, and you know all those sales nicknames, Slick and everything sales like that. names, <laughs> names, yeah, whatever they would be. But they're all gathered in one social media place. In other words, it's hell. Sounds like it. <laughs> and Nick Nick has 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 waltzed into hell and is throwing posies and daisies across this landscape and sabotaging his future career for That's giggles. Right. That's right. I wonder That's how. Like, I mean, it sounds like this. Nick. It sounds like our producer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good thing. Uh, it's a good thing Riley's a realtor. Yes, and at least, at least, at least, at least, there's security there. Yes, and she, she is. Even though she's silly in real life, she's very professional. Um, though this is this is fascinating. Um, n- producer Nick will, when he thinks something is funny, it is very difficult for him not to do the funny thing. <laughs> Uh, it's kind of a disease that runs in my family. I'm not going to lie. Um, right. But uh, I like to imagine maybe he applies to a, a, another church job and maybe a bishop has to see his LinkedIn profile. I hope this comes back to bite him. I really do. I hope he pays dearly for these uh, few likes he has received on Twitter by posting these things. Yes. Unless he created these in LinkedIn, screenshotted it, and then deleted it right away. I don't think... Uh, that's interesting. We'll have to... uh, but I, I don't. I don't know. My my sense of Nick is he wouldn't do that. No, no he would no, keep it up too... for prosperity. Prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. 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 Yeah. I also just loved it because he just loves to use all the jargon that is true. And it's like anytime I hear that kind of jargon, I just tune out. All right, but he did. He did I miss little... some. He did miss some business business words. 
like synergy. He missed synergy. You got to throw in the word How synergy. Got to, yeah. Got to use gotta the synergize word. Your, you mm-hmm. got to maximize your syn- synergistic opportunities, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't use the, the word strategy or strategic. Um, he also uh-huh. uh, didn't use the word dynamic. You have to throw that in there. Just kind of like really fun uh, filler words that make what you're yeah. sounding more important when really what you're doing is a PowerPoint. Yeah, especially the word dynamic. When you add it on to something, it just it makes it whatever. Right, yeah. Totally devalues the totally. concept you're trying to describe. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. So there you go. Check out Producer Nick's LinkedIn profile. Um <laughs> Uh, this is a tweet from uh, at Richard Vixen, at Richard underscore Vixen. And she says, okay, okay, what is your most trad opinion? And so, uh, you know, trad for traditional, and she's referring to traditional Catholics. What's your most traditional Catholic opinion? And I'm scrolling some of these answers, and they're all, in a word, pathetic. You know, like... There should be altar rails. There should only be guys who are, you know, only uh, male altar servers. The traditional Latin mass is the only one you should go to. Um, repent and submit to the Pope. Uh, ladies should wear long dresses. All of these are just pathetic. All these people trying to be trad with their trad opinions, they're like little baby trads. They're mm-hmm. little babies who know nothing. Mm-hmm. The real trad yep. opinion yep. is that Catholics should not have opinions. Do you <laughs> think when the great unstoppable tradening comes from us all, comes for us all, and all things are made trad again, do you think Catholics will be allowed on Twitter? How dare a layperson even have an opinion or think right. critically in any way about the faith? And what job is it of a priest except to, like, almost verbatim repeat what the magisterium says? Exactly. So many of these people who who try to be very traditional, quote-unquote, on the internet, they will be the first ones to suffer under the great unstoppable tradning. Really, the most trad you can be right now is to be an ignorant parishioner who simply goes to their Novus Ordo Mass, does not look at opinions on the internet— and prays every day and goes to the sacraments. There's nothing more trad than this. Question, though. Uh-huh. Is not what you're saying also an opinion? Well, I'm a, I, it's not an opinion because I am a member of the clergy. Okay. What I am saying is a truth. Oh, so you're part of the magisterium then? Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. I when mean, the priests far, get that ability? As far as any layperson is concerned, absolutely, Father Harrison. <laughs> See, like trad lay people don't don't parse apart what is part of the magisterium or not. They simply listen to their priests. They don't. Hmm. I mean, they don't know what the pope is saying. They simply know the pope's name and they pray for him when they pray the rosary. Mm-hmm. There is this is what I'm saying in super tradie land is simply the truth coming from the ordained, and hmm. that is that. What is more trad than this, Father Harrison? All these tiny babies thinking they are trad. I have out-tradded them all. Now, the most trad thing is for everyone to go to a Carmelite monastery and to never say a word again in your life. You do need some people to get married so that they can produce more Carmelites. This is important. Right, but can't you have a vow of silence in the household? I think yes. I think that's very true. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But yes, the idea of trad and opinion just it's like it, it's uh it's two polar opposites. It's, it's it's baffling to me. Though it's it I, I don't know if I, I don't know if I've told uh, By the thought, way folks, uh just just that was a joke. Father Anthony was joking about I already told opinions. you I refuse to explain my jokes. People either get them or they don't. Um, I know, I know, but we just uh <laughs> got to preempt the angry emails. Yeah, producer rally deals with those. Um so uh oh uh, um speaking about everyone going to the monastery this is something I forget exactly where it is. I don't know if a professor told me this, or it's uh, it's a speculation from Saint Augustine that mm-hmm. you know he's he's speculating on uh, because of you know the call to the monastic life is the higher calling and blah blah blah. What would happen if everyone just joined the monastery mm-hmm. and there were no more kids? 
And he's just speculating, right. you know. He's just guessing. He's like, well, then, you know, uh, then Jesus would come back again. Because there's not yeah. going to be any, any more generations. And uh, there you go. So if you're tired of all the chaos in the world, just convince everyone to join the monastery and Jesus will come back. Problem solved. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think it actually works that way, but, uh, yeah. you know, what are you going to do when, like, all you do is think about theological things and you don't have Twitter? You come up yeah. with uh, crazy theological speculations. Yeah. No, it's it's funny. It's it's I, I have heard that theory. It's like, yeah, actually, everyone is supposed to be kind of, like, ordained or uh, <laughs> or religious. It's like, yeah, it's, it's not held it's not held a lot of steam no because it's um, very in the catholic world yeah it is it is even even the great saints and the great doctors of the churches can make uh, the church can make mistakes yes this is true yeah and you know who else can make mistakes who else can make mistakes priests when they're talking about things in presbyteral exhortations and now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. Oh, I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the best part. Oh, yes. Yes, quite. quite. Yes, quite. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know. That was a bad... That was a... I, I, I don't know why I'm trying to transitions anymore. We, we, we said we were going to stop transitions, and yet we just fall back to them like a dog to its vomit. You yes, know, it's very like... true. <laughs> so what kind of mistakes are we going to make today, Father Harrison? Well, hopefully not any. But, you know, I think it's a good little topic to have a little – and I think this would be a good dialogue topic for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a topic – again, this is a very producer Nick heavy, heavy show, actually. Um, he asked um, – can well, he said, can yin's guys, because – you know, pit, proper Pittsburghese. Yeah. Talk about the sacrifice of the mass in the podcast, like how a lay person is supposed to pray during the sacrifice part. Like, how do do I do more than just watch mass? Because I am so good at just watching mass. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a good little question, and I'm like, yeah, that's a good like kind of question. That so you know, these are good return to basics things. Yeah. Uh, because you can get so used to the to the Catholic thing sometimes. And sorry about that. My headphones unplugged. Um, we can get so used to these things sometimes and kind of forget what it is. So I want to talk about like, so um, I think just uh, first a little bit, just like a little return or return or returning primer to um, what is, what's happening at the mass. Yeah. What's happening at the mass. Cause I think that's just an important thing to remember. I think often we, I mean, what, when you talk to parishioners, what for them is the thing they often take away from the mass? Oh, they, uh, the Eucharist. Oh, okay. Okay. I, just, I think, I think, I mean, I mean, at least recently, especially yeah. with, you know, uh, when we first had our lockdowns, you had your lockdowns. The big concern was for people to go to mass, they go to get the Eucharist. Hmm. Has your experience that, been different? No, I'm just, I guess I was thinking more just like, what is usual i guess and and i just i you, you kind of mentioned it earlier right was that we get a lot of comments more on oh what a beautiful mass father like thank you for that homily or whatever like so like often like for a lot of people the the pinnacle takeaway moment is is the homily i think it's probably and, true and again, for a lot yeah and I, and it's not a bad thing and i think it's actually why we need to work so hard at preaching because preaching listen the liturgy says preaching's essential Right, mm-hmm. it's especially for Sundays. We don't have to preach every day during the week, but it's essential for for Sundays. Um, it's a liturgical act. It's why only ordained can do it, um, and it's a and it, it's a way for Christ to feed us through Word. Right, we get fed through Word and sacrament. It's a way for Christ to engage us in all of our senses. So yes, the homily has is an important part of the Mass. But it's not the height. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, part of me is just thinking, and I've had some people say this to me, but I wonder if Catholics, some, sometimes Catholics, I think, get worried about sounding too pious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, maybe there's a fear in telling Father, thank you for the Eucharist. Hmm. Or, or maybe yeah, on the other I, hand, I, I can get that. Yeah, or maybe on the other hand, you know, at a certain level, making the Eucharist, any mm-hmm. priest can do that. That's like right. the low bar for a priest is confecting <laughs> right. the Eucharist. But right. we've we, we've had a lot of priests in our parish, and we know not all of them can preach. Just some thoughts. Right. I don't know. 
That's true. And I think it's also North American culture tends to put a lot of emphasis on preaching mm-hmm. and public speaking. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of factors that I think one sure. of them is entertainment is a big factor in our lives. And so the homily is the entertaining portion of the mass for a lot of people sometimes. Sure. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not, these aren't bad things. It's just the reality. Right. Yeah. So, uh, but, but it's, it's, and it's important again, preaching is vital and it's, and it's why like, you know, when priests and listen, we can all, it's funny. This is a little side actually. Um, I remember when I was in seminary, I thought, man, I think we've even mentioned this before, but maybe not. Um, I said, man, I'm going to make up for all the bad preaching I've heard. And I'm going to, that priest said this, and I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and now while I may not fall into those things, I was like, and I'm never going to get tired of preaching. But when you preach, especially when you preach each and every day, mm-hmm. it's hard to come up with new stuff sometimes. And you feel like you're repeating yourself sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it actually is tiring. And, it, and it's like you start to understand the other side of things. And so like maybe sometimes when you heard a bad homily from a priest, you're like, oh, maybe he was just overworked that week and he didn't have time to prepare or something like that. You know, and there's all sorts of things. I was like, oh, so you, you see things from the other side now, which is a good thing. Yes. Um, Right there, yeah. No. There is no. Yeah. I think it's actually a healthy part of a seminarian's life to be like, I will be the next Fulton Sheen, and I will preach yes. all of the things. I think that there's a there's a nugget of zeal in there that is a good thing. Right. But uh, yeah, that zeal definitely gets purified once you're actually doing it for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. And it's it's uh, what was I gonna say the um ah uh, oh, my brain just went blank. But uh, yeah, you realize to be Fulton Sheen is actually a lot of work. <laughs> It is. Also, he's very also, dramatic. I don't think. I don't and know also, he, you're not meant to be Fulton Sheen. You're meant to be the priest you are. Uh, I had one summer where I just dove into Fulton Sheen videos on YouTube, and they're just all mm-hmm. delightful. But I wonder if his preaching style would fly today because it is very dramatic. I wonder well, if you. Also, could, well, so, but life is worth living is not preaching, right? It's his, no, no, no. I mean, I just like like some of his like his homilies, homilies that you can find on okay. YouTube. Yeah. Right. Um, he also studied rhetoric, right? And he yes. rhetoric was a big thing in his preaching um so he, it's why he always had a story yeah seriously if you're gonna, was, yeah. if you're gonna go down a, a a youtube rabbit hole go just youtube fulton sheen and you'll have a yeah. great time yeah exactly so but we're actually not here to talk about preaching anymore but okay. uh, speaking of rabbit holes there we uh, go <laughs> uh, right um no but the the height of the mass its culmination is the eucharistic sacrifice mm-hmm. right so what happens when the priest is saying the words of consecration? I'm asking you. Ah, yes. Um, what's happening? So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't take the opportunity to say that the consecration is the crux of the mass. Eh, eh, yeah. Eh, eh, eh. Okay, eh. so oh, I, I that is... Okay. Sorry, it took me a second to click the joke. <laughs> I know. I'm, yes. I am <laughs> very funny <laughs> and clever. Okay, so... What's happening there? Um, the priest is speaking in the person of Christ. That's why he's using the first person. Uh, this is Christ taking the bread and wine, turning into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. It is, mm-hmm. um, you can get a little bit, uh, you can get kind of obsessive about figuring out what is the moment. I think there's mm-hmm. a better understanding of like, seeing the Eucharistic prayer as one whole instead of these individual mm-hmm. moments. But what's going mm-hmm. on is that this is when Christ gets lifted up on the cross. We are re-entering that eternal moment and re-presenting it at the mass because there's only one mass, only one sacrifice. Um, so that is what is happening at the consecration. It is um, the changing of the bread and wine to the body, blood, soul, and the body of Jesus Christ. It is the lifting up of Christ on the cross. It is the reconciliation of God and man. It is the defeat of sin and death. All right before there, as Father Father Pat, Father Joe, just says his says mass like he does every day, and it seems very common. All these cosmological amazing things are happening in mm-hmm. those moments. Yeah, and I think when we hear the word representing, like again, it's like like you said, it's one mass. It's like it's not uh, we're not doing it over and over again. No. It's rather that through these actions, we are mysteriously made present to this one action, mm-hmm. this one sacrifice, right? And so, for example, in the book of Revelation, um, where it mentions the lamb standing as though slain, is a kind of sign of the eternity of the death and resurrection of Jesus 
access at all time through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we uh, invoke the Holy Spirit over the gifts with our hands. It's essential to have that epiclesis in the Roman rite to because it's the Holy Spirit who's actually the actor through us mm-hmm. as as instruments of Christ's sacrifice. So yeah, okay. Now um, it's true that the priest is the one who is offering the sacrifice in persona Christi, which is like a fancy way to say in the person of Christ. It's Christ who's doing the work through us, right? So this is why it's like you could have the most horrible, uh, lame priest in the world. Um, murderer of thousands and the mass is still valid. Yes. I mean, that's exce- I'm just trying to, I'm using an extreme yes, example yes. here, okay? In other words, it doesn't depend on the priest for the efficacy of the mass. It, it, it's, it's, it's all on the work worked is the kind of technical phrasing we like to use. It is Christ's work through him because of his ordination. It's the ordination that makes this possible. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and um, yeah, so we don't need to worry about that. So it's like, yeah, maybe sometimes you're at a place and the priest is not that inspiring or seems to not really care much sometimes. The mass is still valid. Mm-hmm. He said the words of consecration Christ has offered. And that's the most important thing at Mass. So it, it helps encourage us. Because, listen, we're all going to be in parishes sometimes where things maybe not the way we want them to be. But the sacrifice has happened. And that's what we're there for. So now the question becomes, though, is like, what, what exactly is happening? I think this is good in a couple ways. Because in one sense, in terms of understanding what is happening, i.e. the church in the sacrifice... So that we can understand like things like, you know, what, what happens when we can't be at mass right now for some people, right? What's going on? Um, uh, how, how are there spiritual effects for me, even though I'm not there, right? But also then like, what, what do we, how do we participate? So I want to kind of address both parts. I think the first one is like, just like a more theological sense. And then the second one, I want to address the very uh, often thought about phrase, full and act, full active and conscious uh, participation. Mm-hmm. Although we'll see if that's the right translation for that. So the first part, a little the- theology here, right? So when the priest is offering the sacrifice of the mass, it is offering Christ up Christ's body, right? That is the sacrifice. That is what is offered. Okay. Now what is offered is Christ's body. So, but what is the church? <gasps> the church is the body of Christ. Exactly. <gasps> exactly. Right. And it's why normally like this whole action is one. It's why we ought, you know, if we can, if we're in the state of grace, we ought to receive communion if we can, um, because it's a, the completion. Well, it's also the completion of the sacrifice, um, but it's also um, it's it's we receive his body to be more in communion and in union with his body, the church. So we cannot and we can take solace in this when the priest, even though the priest is the liturgical actor in this. And only the priest can be the liturgical actor in this, and the bishops. Um, the whole church is lifted up in that prayer. Mm-hmm. And it, it becomes very clear if you start to look at the prayers around the Eucharist, right? We pray for the Pope. We pray for our bishop. We pray for the living. We pray for the deceased. We pray for all gathered. Like it, the, the litany goes on and on and on because it is a prayer for the—not and not just it's not just the parish— the whole church is lifted up in every sacrifice of the mass. It's it's the it's the culmination. It's the working of grace in the life of the church. Okay. Oh yeah. You, uh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So you are a layperson going to mass, and mm-hmm. so are you. Just are you just the lamb led to slaughter? You just you just walk up there as part of the sacrifice, and you're like, here I am, and the priest sacrifices you, and then that's right. that's your job. Is that what's going on? No, no. And so I get through your games. Give me, yeah, give me one more second with that okay. before we get to that. Yeah. But it's, it's, so we, we just need to recognize like the mass is always a prayer for the whole church. It prays for the local church, right? It prays for the parish. That's why we pray for those gathered there. It prays for your local diocese. It's why we pray for our, 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 our um, bishop. And it prays for the universal church, the one church. That's why we pray for the Holy Father. These yeah. are signs of, it being a total ecclesial act, which is just important because we have to remember like, and this is going to get to the full and active participation stuff. The mass is not an individual exercise. Mm-hmm. It is not a place of private piety. There are moments in the liturgy for private piety, but it's not primarily an action of private piety. It is an action, an action of communal. Uh, it's a co- communal liturgical action in which the church is lifted up into Christ's sacrifice 
sacrificial worship of the father right that's why I, like i've thrown out the phrase here before i love it though it's like in a way in a way we don't go to worship god we go to be lifted up into jesus's worship of the father mm-hmm. it's really you know so and it's also helpful because then it takes away some of the activism because you know we talk, we're going to talk about this. It's like, take away some of the activism that can happen in liturgy. I'm only praying. I'm only really involved in liturgy if I'm doing X, Y, or Z. It's like no, no, that's not it either. Um, so, but then, yeah, it's it's a work of the whole church, and so this is why it's important that we follow the gestures and and postures that have been established in our churches, right? So, like, so every like the the germ, the general structure for the Roman Missal allows for um bishops and sometimes conferences to note certain gestures and postures and you know you might like something fine i get your preference but when it comes to a common liturgical action it's actually important for us to be obedient here because it's a sign of our unity you know if ha- you know if there's one point in liturgy where you know your bishops like yes and maybe not you know most bishops don't really do standing at the consecration that i've seen of anymore sure. but it's like you know um, but if it's like, you know, I know in our diocese, for example, um, it's, it's after the consecration, it's everyone's to stand and that's allowed mm-hmm. in the, in for bishops to, uh, to say, but you know, if everyone's standing, but like a quarter of your church or something like that is kneeling, that doesn't look good. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a sign of ecclesial unity. Right. Right. So it's just important to keep that in mind when we're going to mass, first and foremost, it's a work of the church of which we are all members of, of the one body of Christ that is being offered up on the cross liturgically and mysteriously that we are all lifted up into. And so it is important for us to go in there with one heart and mind and with one, um, with uh, even in our body, our postures and everything. It's why too, then Maybe like if, if we are in serious sin, why we don't go to communion? Because we're saying, yeah, I'm actually not in union with the church right now. Mm. And I need to with, I need to go to confession before I do that. And that's fine. And that's good, right? It's in the, the grace of the mass that works for you. It's just uh, maybe not in the way it might normally. And, but it's like, it's a sign of that I'm not in complete union with the one body of Christ right now. And I need to rectify that. Yeah. And just one note on, on gestures and stuff. Um, if there's any kind of like physical disability, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's okay. And this is something that I see right. and I try, you know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. sometimes a person like is older and have trouble standing or kneeling for a long time, then don't because the exactly. priest, you know, what really breaks up <laughs> the, uh, um, gestures of unity is when this poor old lady passes out and knocks her head on the uh, pew. We don't, we don't want that. So if you've got knee exactly. problems or standing problems, like that's okay. We're saying in general, this is the norm. But of course, there's exceptions to that norm for various reasons, and that's nothing to worry about. Exactly. And it's um, like I often, what I will say, especially on Good Friday, I will say something, like when, or, or Palm Sunday when the Gospels are very long, and I'll say, if you are unable to stand or only able to stand for a certain amount of time, feel free to sit when you're comfortable, yeah, right? Because, yeah. yeah, exactly. Because that's the other thing. Sometimes people will do it regardless of how uncomfortable they are to the point like where it's not good for them anymore. Like if you've got two bad hips and it's hard for you to stand for a minute after a minute, it's okay to sit it's down. It's okay like, to sit you know, down. It's okay. It's, yeah. I'm just saying general rule, right? Right, right? If you're able-bodied and stuff like this. So, okay. But let's talk about, okay, so we're there then. Now what happens? What's going on? Why Why am I here then? If, if this is a work of the church, the priest is doing a thing, like what am I doing there? Right. And we've all heard this phrase of that wonderful phrase, the full, active, and conscious participation, which is a big buzzword from Sacrosanctum Concilium. Mm-hmm in a big buzz phrase, I guess, um, the document of the Second Vatican Council on the liturgy. And just briefly before we kind of talk it out, just this is where I think a lot of the confusion comes in sometimes is the Latin word for participation is, oh my gosh, now my brain just went blank, not participation. Um, Participatio. Participatio. Yeah. Boom. No, it's, it's it's participatio, but it's like participe. Uh, oh no, my god, my brain just went totally blank. I had it. Partici unum. Active and conscious, full active and conscious. It wasn't participation? Like it was. Um, it's another p word. But like, I guess. Anyways, what's what's I, the I meaning know. it's trying to relay, Father Harrison? Right. So when we we hear this word, we think participation, like a, a participation award. Yes. Right? Like, I have to do things. I have to do a thing. 
Oh, sorry. No, no. It had nothing to do with participation. Sorry. It had everything to do with actual. Uh, we say full, active, and conscious participation. Active is, in the Latin is actuoso, mm-hmm. which is actual. Is better translated as actual ah. participation, right? So it should be full. Sorry, I, I just, my brain attached to the wrong word and mm-hmm. I just wasn't getting there. Full, actual, and conscious participation. There we go. In the liturgy. So there we go. Because I was like, yeah, participation was the right word. I can't think of another one. Um, yeah, so it's this idea, like, so participation, we often hear that word in like, an activistic word word like so i have to do things in order to participate mm-hmm. I, right and we do have to do things there too sure. but not in the sense of i have to like be involved in every liturgical ministry i don't have to be a liturgical i don't have to pray better at the mass or to be more involved rather um um so that's how we often think it. like how so if you were to talk about full actual and conscious participation what would you say father anthony I think it's easier to talk about the things you would not do at Mass. Um, okay. Like, you would not be doing private devotions while Mass is happening. Because that's right. a kind of participation, but it's not an actual uh, participation. You're doing something alongside the liturgy. Um, that's the way I, I most often uh, understand it. Um, I think it has to do with uh, a lot with intention, that you mm-hmm. intend to be a part of a mass um mm-hmm. and i have trouble uh trying to figure out what like what is more than that because mm-hmm. you know for parents their participation in the mass is going to be a lot of wrestling their kids and picking up the cheerios that have spilled onto the floor and uh taking their kid to the bathroom or mm-hmm. for someone who has worked like a 12-hour um ship ship sh- <laughs> for someone Shift. who yeah for someone who has worked a 12-hour shift at the hospital to, like, stay awake at Mass. Um, uh, it it can't mean... It has to mean something different than than those things. Yeah. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Um, and I think it's... So let's maybe break down those words, because I think... What am I... Because this is to help us understand that question. What am I doing at the sacrifice? Mm-hmm. What's what am what do I need to do to be to avail myself of the moment? And I think the first so let's kind of break down the phrases there because I think they're really important. So there's full, right? Mm-hmm. So full means the whole self, like because while the church is the body of Christ, she is also her own um, kind of corporate person in a way, right? in that she can offer herself back to God insofar as she's willing to give herself to God. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, the best way to show love is to give your whole self away. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, um, and it, you know, when I recognize that I am loved, I want to give everything back. Mm-hmm. Right. So full means I want to give my whole self to God and I want to hold nothing back. So if we think about it in terms of mass, when we're going there, especially at the sacrifice, um, am I just sitting there kind of looking at my watch thinking, when's this over? Yeah. Right? Or am I putting my whole self in offering myself to the Father in Christ? Yeah. Okay. But what does that mean? Yeah. Because you know, people hear that and you know, one right. of the things I, I hear all the time in the confessional is I was distracted at mass. Right. And I try to make a delineation between active and passive distraction at Mass. So it, it right. seems to be one thing if, like, all I'm thinking about uh, – so I'm at Mass, and I'm a yep. Pittsburgher, and I'm a good and holy Pittsburgher, and mm-hmm. I am thinking about the Steelers game. It pops into my brain. Right. Okay. Then I have two choices. One of them is, eh, nothing's going on right now. I'm going to think about my fantasy football team and mm-hmm. think about how long this mass is going to end. I'm just going to let myself do that. Mm-hmm. That's one thing you can do. Uh, mm-hmm. Another thing that can happen is like, oh, I'm thinking about the Steelers. Shouldn't be doing that. All right, I'll try mm-hmm. to move my mind back to what's going on here. Mm-hmm. And I think a difficult thing is when those normal distractions that you can't do much about in the moment uh, pop up, you might have a, a rough time at mass because mm-hmm. our brains are crazy monkey brains and they jump from idea to idea and it's a little bit crazy. Yeah. And I think we can talk about things that can help us out with that. But mm-hmm. 
just because my brain is being stupid doesn't mean I'm not actively participating because or actually participating because sometimes mm -hmm. all you have to give to God is your crazy monkey brain. Sometimes mm -hmm. all you have to give to God is like my family is a bit chaotic and I'm trying to get them to pay attention to mass, but it's it's going to be a mess. Right. That's still giving everything you have in the moment. Exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. Exactly. Right. I mean, part of wrangling your family, for example, is the giving of your full self, yeah. right? Through your family. Absolutely. Right? So absolutely, right? And I always like to say like, with regards to distractions, I'm like, well, if you once you recognize you're being distracted, give it back to God. Yeah. Dear Lord, I pray for all the players in the Steelers. <laughs> you know, that's Don't actually a good thing. Like sometimes praying with your distractions <laughs> is helpful. Sometimes mm. it's like, okay, Lord, this is the thing that's happening. And I'm not even maybe sure I want to even turn my brain off it from it yet. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. But then that, it's like a little halfway gesture to start at least, yeah. right? But full is to say, I'm giving my whole self to God and I don't want to hold anything back. Mm -hmm. And so, right. So it looks in a variety of ways. Again, it looks in the sense of just doing the gestures that are at the mass. That, that's one way of being fully there. Yeah. Um, it, it's very much connected to conscious. Um, and I, I mean, like, you know, in some way, each each descriptor is somewhat the same. And they're also different, but they're also the same. But it's just love says, I hold nothing back, right? I hold nothing back. I, it's going to come a little bit out of left field, but it's also why it's important to give when we're at mass. Give I'm what? nothing back. Give what? Money to the collection the plate. The money. Give us you, the money. Yeah. Because, no, no, but I'm serious about this in that if you can't give to God in that regard then you've then perhaps you're not giving your full self yeah i think it's actually sometimes we it's we, actually sacrificial <laughs> yes i think we miss sometimes the spiritual point of giving is that we will trust god with everything except that which is most real yeah. to us and that which is most real to us is oftentimes our pocketbooks yeah. um yeah. which doesn't mean giving like your whole estate and all of your kids toys and all of your money to the church in one go that's not what right. i'm talking about at all but it's yeah. um uh, I think it's a thing that we should think more consciously about in a spiritual sense. Okay. But yeah, no. And again, it's it's like, you know, some people do like stuff like electronic debits from yeah. straight to the, and that's fine. It's like, but it's just that we ought to be giving because that's part of sacrifice. Yeah. Like to the whole point of fully being present is to give of yourself and to even sacrifice of yourself to God. Right. And it's not that you're paying, it's not there to say like, just so you can pay for different things. And, but it's like to say, I give this away freely for the good of the church, uh, because I love Jesus and it's how, and I want to be able to access, I want to be able to turn the lights on. I want to be able to receive the Eucharist and that yeah. costs money, right? That's part of the sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice. And that's our means of sacrifice today. You know, back in, actually, I still remember seeing JD when he was in Africa, when he was working for CNA, instead of, I didn't give a lot of money because it wasn't really a, 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 a a money-based economy where yeah. this mission parish was people were bringing up packages of toilet paper and food and different things that would be needed for the church and linens. And that was their offering. Yeah. And I was like, that's so cool. That's how they, it was connected to their livelihood in gratitude to God. Right. And it's the same thing here, whatever, this is our connection to our gratitude is how we function. And so we need to give that back to God to say, thank you. And so that's part of way of being full is to say, I'm willing to sacrifice with Jesus. Okay, so that's, that's, and that means also sacrificing the time. There is something about choosing, a, I'm not saying we should be choosing the most uncomfortable time either, but it's just like saying, I'm willing to say, like, this is the most important thing for my weekend. And I'm going to govern everything around it. That's a way of being fully there. Yeah. Right? To sacrificing a brunch with a friend because I'll say, or doing it after mass because it's also a way to evangelize, saying, this is the most important thing. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with picking a convenient mass time. Right, right. Yeah, that's why time... I want to go into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think it's I think it's important because this is a real thing. That's yeah. what people deal with. I don't think there's anything wrong if you, your parish gives you five different mass times, picking the one that's most convenient. But once you pick yeah. that time, that's the priority then. Yeah. You know, sure. Yeah, yeah you can say, you know what, uh, the 4 p.m. mass works better this week um, because there's stuff going on with the family Sunday morning, whatever. I don't care. Fine. But then make that 4 p.m. mass the priority. Um, right. And I think exactly. I mean, exactly. there's a difference. Like getting getting a family ready for mass is a chaotic endeavor that I Absolutely. am blessed not to have to worry about ever. Um, Absolutely. It's, it's chaotic enough getting myself ready for mass, and I'm the priest, okay? Um, so that is definitely just a real thing. 
but also, you know, if you go to a consistent mass time every week, it's not like that mass time is going to sneak up on you. So, yeah, you're still going to make mistakes and stuff's going to happen. But, like, is your family deciding, okay, we know that we need to work hard to make this time happen? And that's, I mean, it's it's more of like an attitude change than it is a, you know, our, we're going to do our best. That's what it's really about. We're going to do our best. And our best might not look very pretty to everyone else, but Jesus don't care. Jesus want, just wants to know you're doing your best. That's, that's the, the point. So, yeah, and I think in some ways, actually, the more I talk about it, I think the word full really does c- capture the other things. But to say, like, so it's not active in the sense of, like, I have to do things, but it's more of, like, a contemplative stance. Liturgy is really something content- is meant, and again, I get it. It's hard to contemplate when you have five kids rambling around the fuse. I get that. But it's just more of saying, like, it's a time of really reception rather than activity, which is hard for us to do today. Like, again, this gets back to way back in the day of our leisure podcast. Like, it's a time of leisure. Because it's a time of worship, right? It's a time of cult, of of which leads to singing. Cult leads to culture. Cult leads to culture. Um, um, it's a time where it, it's meant to be a formative time where we receive. And so, when the moment, especially the moment of the sacrifice, what we're supposed to do there, if you're if we're in the and I'll be honest, like it's been a while since I've had to sit on the other side. I don't really get a chance to do that anymore, um, which is fine. Um, but it's just I you lose touch with that reality, right? Um, but like, especially at that moment of sacrifice, it's uniting yourself in your heart saying like, even if it's something like Jesus with you, I offer myself to the father in this moment, right? I'm not just staring there looking at the action, but I'm uniting myself to it because I really am like, it's, it's in a way my prayer, whatever that is privately in my heart in that moment is me affirming the invitation from Jesus to be lifted up into his action. And um, so like, and in a way it's weird. It's like in that little moment, that actually is a time of private devotion that's happening communally where we're all in our own way. Uh, um, we are, are all saying our own little kind of private. I even have like my own little private things. I say every time I consecrate the Eucharist, and I've had those since, be- but I've had those even, I- I've said these things be- since before I was ordained a priest, right? I've just kept that, that, um, um, I've just kept that habit and that's good. What it's done is one action for all, with all of us. So that when we're there, it's like, it's not, yeah, it's not, I think we have to get out of that attitude of what do I have to do? Right. Or even like, you know, uh, there'll be times that the consecration just kind of passes you by because you zoned out or uh your kid puked on you or whatever you know and it's like oh no i missed the moment it's like it's okay it's okay you know Mm -hmm. you can offer your missed moment to god like he's Mm -hmm. not he doesn't expect you uh i don't know how to put this the right way it doesn't depend on what on on the effect of the mass Mm -hmm. on you even has um has little to do with you <laughs> yeah if that makes sense so you're there and god's doing his work for the church yeah. of which you are assenting to and even though you miss something for whatever reason yeah the grace is still at work yeah and it can sound kind of like dismissive but i don't mean it to be dismissive yeah like if you're doing your best there's literally nothing else you can do and i exactly. think very often people who go to mass and who care about this sort of topic that we're talking about they are far harder on themselves than god is mm-hmm. um we have to keep in mind that the whole point of this isn't what we do for God. It's what God has done for us. Mm-hmm. And we just respond the best we can. And because mm-hmm. we're all messed up uh, on the inside and the outside very often, our best response doesn't look so pretty. But that's right. okay. That's kind but of that's, the point. That's exactly. That's how grace works. Yeah. The whole point of going to Mass is the fact that we can't worship God properly. <laughs> this my, is the whole point. My yeah. uh, uh, A priest in seminary said this half-jokingly. He said, the reason why we keep saying Mass week after week is because maybe one day we'll get it right. Um, and yeah, he's, yeah, he's being yeah. facetious in that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But that's the point. It's like, yeah, we. it's, it's never going to look as good as it's supposed to. The point right. is to give all that we have. Right, because God... Christ makes up the rest. It's yeah. his work. It's his work. So, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, like, I just want to encourage people, like, and it's hard. I guess the best phrase is it's like an act of receptivity. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing Jesus. I'm willing to receive 
that you have in this moment. It's why, like, and it's why the whole sacrifice is culminated with the reception of communion, mm-hmm. right? And that's after that. That's where one of those pri- moments of private devotion comes in, where right. afterwards we can go and we can kneel, we can sit, um, maybe don't dance and do all weird stuff, but you know, it's a time of quiet contemplation. Depends on, on what own. part of the world you're in. Yeah, yeah, it depends. <laughs> that's true. Um, but then mass quickly ends, right? Because yeah. The whole point is, like, I want to just encourage everyone to enter into the contemplative action now. And I know it's like, okay, fine. And our, I know what everyone's thinking. What do I have to do to make that happen? <laughs> and there, I can't answer that. Yeah. I mean, I think there are some things you can do to help yourself out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think. Show up early. Yeah, if you can, to show up early is helpful. Yep. Um, I think uniting your private prayer to the liturgy in some way is helpful. Um, mm-hmm. Like praying with the scriptures before mass, that can be a helpful mm-hmm. thing. Like I know, like uh, just my experience as a priest, if I am checking emails and doing work right up to five minutes before mass, it's going to be harder for me to enter into the liturgy as a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if it's possible for you to have some con- uh, contemplative moments before mass, then take advantage of those moments because yep. you won't always have them in your life. Um, exactly. So for a lot of maybe uh, single people who have more flexibility with their schedule, um, yeah, show up to Mass earlier and mm-hmm. uh, maybe say the rosary with the old ladies who are saying the rosary beforehand. Or mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. if you don't like that sort of thing, uh, then show up to Mass on time, but you know, in your home or in the car. Mm-hmm. A lot of times mm-hmm. um, you know, families will listen to, or people will listen to Christian music before Mass. Um, mm-hmm. These are things that can be helpful with our experience of entering into the liturgy. Um, and but like we've been saying even if you've because of life is life you know your hair is still wet and you've stumbled yeah. into mass and you're wearing two different kinds of shoes uh that doesn't mean you can you necessarily will participate less in the mass that's not right. what that's about exactly and it's um and you know the other thing i think about more too and it's something i'm becoming more aware of myself because sometimes I don't allow enough silence in my own life. Mm. A great way to prep is if you try to cultivate a bit of silence in your life every day. Yeah. Because then you start to be more receptive. You slow down. I, I think, and I, this is the other thing, because I think also too, sometimes liturgy can become too performative to the point where it doesn't cultivate silence for us to hear the Lord speak. Mm-hmm. And that's so important too. You don't just, you don't just go from one thing to the next. You need to allow time for reflection and 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 things to seep in because grace doesn't work fast not because it can't because okay. we're uh, our hearts are like molasses sometimes yeah. you know <laughs> um but you know there are things we can do to be better at being receptive i guess but at the same time it's like in a way it's a great question but in a way it's like to say give yourself to jesus yeah. however that's going to look in your heart and and that's what you can do in that moment you don't just yeah you don't just kind of watch and say oh neat jesus is present now right um but rather, I've been lifted up into this moment. I'm there, not, and I'm not just there by myself. I'm there with the person next to me in the pew, and I'm there with the Holy Father. I'm there with the whole church. We're all there with Christ in the presence of the Father in his great act of love. And that this is actually the most formative thing in our life, and it forms us in how we act as Christians going out afterwards. It's why... If all we do is receive the Eucharist just so we can receive Jesus, but it doesn't like flow out outwards afterwards, then there's something wrong. Yeah. Honestly, I know it's a little blunt, but it's the truth. Um, we got to work at, and again, it doesn't mean like you have to go out and serve all the poor, but even it's like in your family or it's like, I, man, I need to be more attentive to my kids or I need to be, spend more time with my spouse or whatever it might be, or spend less time on my hobbies so I can spend more times with my families or whatever that is. Sometimes it, it, it's, it's showing that we've been formed by the action of Jesus that we've been lifted up to. It's not about what you do. It's not about what even in a way, in a way, it's not even about what the priest does. It's what, what Jesus does through all of us. He makes up for our lack always it's what his grace is sufficient it's it's perfected in weakness so don't feel bad if you got nothing to get even if like listen you're gonna have those moments where you're just like i think i shared this on the podcast before but i'll share it again and i'll end with this story as it kind of kind of summarizes the point here it was when i was at the missionaries of charity in, in san francisco and we had five guys die in six days and it was an intense week very little sleep and just go 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 and it was adoration on Saturday night. And I was so exhausted. 
and I was just like, and I was supposed to serve. It's like a little extra special on Saturday nights with the sisters. And I was like, I went to serve for the deacon who was there. And um, I'm putting my album in the sacristy and I just put my head against the wall. And I said, Jesus, I have nothing left to give. And it was the best holy hour of my life. <laughs> yeah. Because I couldn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds vague. And I know it sounds hard to comprehend. But that's what being at the sacrifice of the mass looks like. Hmm. I have nothing left to give. And it's there that Jesus does his work. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Well, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you next week. Please uh, like and subscribe on any platform you use. Please leave a review. And please tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies, too, because Jesus says you must love your enemies. You can find me on Twitter when I get back on there tweeting again one day soon, hopefully, uh, at FR Harrison. You can find me trying not to screw up my homilies. <laughs> you can find the podcast, Clerically Speaking, at uh, .com. You can email us, clericallyspeaking, at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter at ClericalPod, and we will see you all next week. God bless. Peace.